Good morning and welcome. Nice to see quite a few folks here on this sunny and warm day. And are you enjoying the air conditioning here in this room? I, I know I am. Yes. Praise God. Well, let's um, stand together and sing. And uh, then we'll hear a great message from Pastor Mike today. Hey, would you turn around and say hi to somebody that's near you? And if nobody's near you, find somebody. Why don't you guys have a seat really quick? We're going to do a mission moment. Uh, the missionaries of the month this month are Richard and Charlotte Jepson, Jepson. 
um, there in uh, Thailand. Uh, we've had them come and share before. Uh, one, of the, one of the coolest times was during the middle of the pandemic. They came and shared because they were here, and uh, they couldn't go back because of the pandemic. They're back there now, and uh, excited that... Uh, Excited that they're back there. Excited that they're doing stuff. And I might be getting the the missionary completely confused. So if that story is not true, I apologize. <laughs> they don't let me up here much for that reason. Um, so, anyways, these are a list of their prayer requests right here. Uh, visas are really hard to get. Um, there's all kinds of things going on there, um, just like there mo- is mostly with missionaries in general. But please pray for them this month. Um, please encourage them if you want to send them an email or something like that. I'm sure there's ways that we can get a hold of them, but um, your missionaries, I don't know if any of you guys know this, but Lisa and I were missionaries for about 10 years. Not We were stateside missionaries, but the only thing, difference between stateside missionaries and um, foreign missionaries is we, we are a little bit closer to in and out. That's it. <laughs> Other than that, you still feel alone. You still feel like uh, like you're doing this and like, you feel like you're a million miles away, even though, like, you're 90 miles from Walmart. So, it's it's an interesting thing. So, stateside missionaries, I don't care if somebody is on the mission field, pray for them. Um, but, again, these are our missionaries for this month to pray for, so encourage them. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you. We praise you. We praise you for the financial means that you give us, Lord. We know that um, none of it comes uh, other than it's an incredible gift from you. So thank you for the hard work. Thank you for the, the, the things that you provide, Lord, that allow us to, uh, to have the means. And so I pray that you would just help us to freely and willingly be able to give back um, some of those means to the local church, to, to uh, all the different things that you uh, love to do, Lord. Thank you. Help us make us uh, just cheerful givers, Lord. Thank you that you don't need any of this, Lord. This is just, this is just a, an awesome opportunity for us to worship you. So we give you this offering and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Father. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we can openly praise and worship you in this great country, Lord. We lift your name on high, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds. Let us hear the message that you have for us today and speak to our hearts, Lord. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Alrighty. Well, everybody's still alive that I know of at family camp. Um, although we all kind of came back, or those of us that are back already are a little sore from not sleeping in our own beds like normal. I, you know, Lisa always tells me, why do we camp? I mean, I love camping. I do love camping. She does not like, like camping. We're, we're opposites on that. She camps with me because she loves me. This is how I know my wife loves me very much is because she'll go camping with me. Once a year. <laughs> With all of you, so it's, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, they're doing good. Um, Pastor Kerry asked me to teach this morning. It's kind of like uh, one of the pastors comes back or, or sticks around uh, so that every year during family camp so that we know there's a lot of people that can't, can't go or don't go to family camp, and so we want to make sure there's still a service and all that kind of stuff. And so I was pretty excited, though, because because there's one service, that means I have from now until, like, noon to preach. And so I'm super excited. Super excited. Sorry. I can do it, too. If you don't believe me, just try me. Somebody dare me. I dare you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, but the fun part for this, this time is, I think this is the first time that Pastor Kerry and I uh, are preaching the same through the same text on the on like basically the same weekend, and so I was excited. We were joking this week about how maybe we should record it, and then like I sit up here with a microphone like the podcasters do, you know, and just like do a reaction video uh, and like just because he said I could correct everything that he did wrong, you know. Um, I'm not going to do that, but I will tell you that there's a lot in this text. What we're going to do is we're going to read through the text, and then we're just going to walk through it. Um, there's a ton in here. It's a great story a lot of you guys may, might be familiar with. It's Saul's conversion. Um, so if you guys could, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read through it. Um, and I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, uh, to open your Bible, read through the Bible. If you can't stand, then that's cool too. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and, uh, and read it. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and asked for letters from, whom, from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, <clears throat> and it will be told you to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, 
And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many, from many about this man how much harm he did to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief of priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Lord, we just pray that you would just speak to our hearts from your word, God. Change us from the inside out, Lord. Thank you so much for giving us truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. <clears throat> so there's a lot in here, believe it or not. I know that um, sometimes in familiar passages, the danger is to miss what's there. I kind of did that when, when Carrie told me what passage I was like doing. I was like, um, so yeah, that's a good passage, but the story is just about Saul's conversion. No big deal, right? And then I started studying it, and you know how you, when you study God's Word, it's just like boom, 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 like all these things come up. And so here we go. You guys ready? First of all, let me ask you this question. Is there anyone beyond the reach of God? Are you sure about that? Yeah. Then why do you and I treat people like there is? Come on, you know you've done it. Oh, that guy's going to hell, right? We have, and, and we forget sometimes in the middle of all the different things that we're doing that, that people are not beyond the reach of God. This is the FBI's 10 most wanted, or actually, this isn't 10, this is 8, but there's some familiar faces on there. Actually, a few of those are actually gone, either to heaven or hell at this point. Um, go ahead and go to the next one. Here's some, here's some people. Are they beyond the reach of God? Some of you think that some of these people are Christians. Some of them are. Some of them believe in God. Some of them, we don't know what they believe. I don't even know if they know what they believe. But that's another story. Is there anyone beyond the reach of God? I don't believe so either. And I don't believe even like in, in somebody like you know Osama bin Laden or any of these terrorists... Ezekiel 18.32 says this, For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. Remember the context of our story. Saul is breathing threats and has been, I mean, and if you guys remember last week, or the last few weeks, uh, actually it would be a few weeks ago, Saul was at the basically watching uh, Stephen get murdered, right? And approving of it. In fact, he's like, here, you can put your coat, I'll put my arm out. You can put your coats on my arm, man. It's good. And then, you know, like, he was approving of the murder of believers. And then, not only that, but right now, he's going to be on his way 
to not only approve of more murder, but to get more like legal uh, justification for it. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He desires that we repent and live. So no matter where somebody's at, we should remember that God is constantly working. Here's another verse. Psalm 86.15 But you, Lord, are compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in mercy and truth. Does that say that God is super excited to just judge people and send them to hell? No. We know it's going to happen, but this is the character of our God that He constantly reveals throughout Scripture. Romans 2.4 Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and restraint and patience, knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? You know what led me to repentance? It was the kindness of God. It wasn't the justice. In fact, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, so I've told some of you guys, my, in my testimony, I believed growing up that God was just like this big dude with tats and a wife beater t-shirt on upstairs, you know? And he was like, you're a sinner! And I'm like, beat the crud out of you all the time, unless you repent. That was my impression of God, and it wasn't until I recognized the love of God it recognized the mercy of God, the, the truth of God, that I turned. That my sin, well, I recognized my sin and recognized, I already knew my sin, but I recognized it for its separation, its separating powers, if you will, between me and God. How it, it was the dividing wedge between my, me and my relationship with God. Second Peter 3, 9, verse that a lot of you probably know, the Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but He's patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but for all to come to repentance. So really, what is all this saying? It's saying that God wants to save us from our sins, and in this text, it's through divine appointments. God wants to save us from our sins. So God's plan all along was what we're going to read, just like it has been his plan all along for some of you maybe that are still holding off, that are still waiting, I don't know for what but to give your life to Christ. But I think what we're going to see, too, is there's a bunch of different divine appointments in this text. There's a bunch of different divine truth, if you will, that we're going to see in this text um, that I think is convic- It was convicting to me when I was going through it. And I hope it convicts you. I hope it convicts all of us so that we can change and be different and be who God wants us to be. Have the perspective that God wants us to have towards people. So this first section is about divine plans. Saul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples. You see, Saul had plans. Saul had plans. Look, in the text. Saul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might bring them back in shackles to Jerusalem. The intention or the the idea there is that he wanted to basically bring them back to kill them or to put them in prison for a very long time so that they would turn and not uh, follow Christ anymore. Saul had plans. But you know what's interesting about when you make plans? God has other plans. Isn't that the truth? Right? God had other plans. It's interesting, towards the end of the text, we see some of those other plans. In, Acts, in the 15, uh, verse 15, it says, 
when he's talking to Ananias, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before kings and the sons of Israel. God had other plans for Saul, which is the whole reason why this divine appointment happened, right? God had other plans. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us all to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm sure if we put a microphone up here and ask you guys to come and share and bear witness and testimony to what God has done in your lives, there would be lots of different like testimonies and, and stories about how you had plans and you were doing this and you were doing that and then God did what? God jumped into the middle of that and did his thing. I love it. I love how God does that because it reminds me that all the times that I think my teenagers are headed this direction, this is what I've been praying all week long. God, have other plans. Please, dear God, have other plans. When I think of of the different situations or the different people in my life that I feel like I have no hope for them, God does. God has other plans. Who's beyond the reach of God? If we really believe that, then why are we acting like God doesn't have other plans? Well, that's because the devil has a tendency to help, like, have us believe that what we believe is truth. But remember, the divine truth is that God has other plans and God is working His plan. I love this, divine truth. God is working His plan. Did you know that? Do you believe that? So let me ask you this question. Do you know what God has been doing in other people's lives? No, you don't. Have you guys ever walked up on somebody and like, there's somebody you know and all of a sudden, it kind of seems like they're having a bad day, but you don't know what's going on. And then you ask them, like, oh, man, what's going on? And then all of a sudden they're super joyful, and they're like, no, I'm not having a bad day. I'm just tired, you know? Like, there's all these assumptions that we make towards people when we look at them or get our cues from them or whatever, but we don't really know what's going on in other people's lives. And the reality is is the divine truth is that God is working His plan, but you know what? Guess what? We're a part of it. Whether that's be, he's working his plan to get us to the point of salvation, or like in Ananias' case, he's working his point to get us to the point to where our, where our thoughts about somebody might need to change. God is still working his plan. And really, our, our point is to, is to get to the place to where we trust God's plan. In uh, Proverbs 16.3, it says this, Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your works to the Lord your plans will be established. And then Proverbs 16, 9, later on he says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Guess who's really in control? How many of you guys have ever planned something only to, for it to fail miserably or for God to completely change the plan? Yeah, right? Uh, 2020, hello, right? I had a whole calendar. I was like, we're a growing, exciting youth ministry. This is all the things we're going to do. woo you know what I did in 2021? Calendar? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever you want, God. We'll just throw together every activity. No notice whatsoever. Actually, that works really well when the government's trying to shut you down, so it works, you know? All right. 
Trusting God's divine plan is what we need to do, especially leading people to His appointments. Don't try to force that. doesn't mean you're not a part of it. You could be a part of it. But we need to trust God's divine plan in leading people to His divine appointments because it's His plan. Okay, the next little section is the divine light. We see it here, right? As he was traveling in verse 3, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. You know what I love? This picture of light. Think of all the different ways that light shines, that God's light shines in a person's life. Have you ever thought about that? All the different ways. Again, this is part of that whole, is there anybody beyond God's reach? No, you all answered that, right? Now, now we're looking at how many different ways does God shine his light in somebody's life in the process of their life for them to come to faith in Christ. There's a lot. Here's a short list that I was thinking. Circumstances, right? Circumstances that God creates in somebody's life in order to kind of kick them in a direction, right? Christian influences, you know, whether that's people, whether that's, uh, you know, they turn on the radio, how many different, I think it was uh, Raul Reese was saying that when he turned on the TV, there was, you know, Chuck Smith right there preaching and then he got saved kind of thing. Like there's so many different scenarios that God can speak into and God can move into that God's light can shine wherever it wants to and whenever it wants to in a person's life because it's part of God's plan. God's word, obviously, um, prayer, and then there's specific divine revelation, which is actually, this whole story is a specific divine revelation where God just goes, boom, and then talks to Saul. But God's light in that sense is all over the place when it comes to influence in this world. And we don't give him credit enough. In reality, let's just be honest. We don't believe God enough when it comes to somebody else's life. If there's one lesson that I've learned being a, a dad of teenagers, that's the truth. And I should have learned it because I'm a youth pastor, all right? But being a dad is a whole other story, that's for sure. First John 8, or excuse me, John 8, 12 says this, Then Jesus spoke again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember, you and I are a part of that light. The light of God shines in you because if you're following Christ, guess what? You're not walking in darkness, but you have his light in you. Which is why you're annoying to unbelievers sometimes, right? Praise Jesus, you know? And they're like, praise Jesus for what, you know? They're like, well, praise Jesus because this happened and praise Jesus. And they're like, I don't know what you're doing or what you're, but this is, you're just annoying. Praise Jesus. Keep doing it though. Keep praising God and keep bringing that light. Keep bringing that light because this world needs the light of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says this, I planted Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. You and I have an influence. We are a part of that influence, if you will. But it's God's light. It's God's truth. It's God's plan that is working to pull somebody and to get somebody and to shine so bright that they finally look up and say what Saul said. So again, my point would be trusting God's divine light. Trust God's divine light, leading people to His divine appointments. We need to trust God with that. That leads us to our next section, which is the divine voice. Verse 4, He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city 
and it will be told you what you must do. When the man who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one, Saul got up from the ground. And though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight. And he neither ate nor drank. Let me ask you this question. Can God speak to people? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if God has directly spoken to you in an audible voice. Because most people will move away from you if that happens. All right? So, but, uh, but what I do want to say is... Uh, I believe, too, that God can speak. I've had God speak into my life many different times in a bunch of different ways. Through people sometimes, sometimes through impressions on my heart. I remember one time there was a situation in ministry back when we were missionaries where we thought something was going to happen, and we're super excited about it, and a week before it was supposed to happen, God told me it's not going to happen. And I was like, well, that just means I don't have faith. Come on, i got to have, like, you know. And God kept telling me it's not going to happen, and I was like, no, 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 that's the wrong, that's not God. I can't be God, right? And then when it didn't happen, I was like, oh, that was God. I knew it. Wasn't going to happen. God told me. God can speak to people. Here's my short list of people that God spoke to directly to in the Bible. That's the short list. Some of your names might be on it when it comes to, you know, think about all the time and how many different people. But it's crazy to think about that God can directly speak. When God wants to speak, can't he speak? Yeah. I know, like, you know, some of, like, some of us Baptists, if you're born and bred Baptist like me, you know, we have these, like, things about the Holy Spirit that we're like, oh, be careful with the Holy Spirit, you know. Or, oh, be careful with the voice of God, you know. But, like, in reality, guess what? If God wants to do something, he's going to do it. And in this case, he spoke directly to Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Notice what the passage says. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Okay, this is one of the things that I think is so important for us to understand, this divine truth. No one wins fighting God. Did you know that? Nobody. Here's my short list of the people who won fighting God. See it? Now, you keep trying to put your name up there, all right? So do I at times, right? But nobody's on that list because you can't fight God. I mean, remember Jacob? Jacob even tried to wrestle with him. And, and God, I think God was humoring him, like, by wrestling with him, you know, and being like, oh, this will be fun. You know, and they're, like, doing some MMA, you know, you know, right? They're doing the MMA thing, and then all of a sudden, what happens? God's like, man, whatever, you know, and he's like, oh, and that was it. No Mr. Miyagi was going to save him then, you know. It wasn't going to happen. God wins, period. People think all the time that they're going to fight God and win, and they don't. Saul was not realizing he was even fighting God, right? Saul actually believed that he had a divine purpose in Judaism as a Pharisee, that he was doing this in a righteous way. That happens all the time. People think they're doing God a favor or they're doing what God wants them to do, but in reality, they're fighting God. 
You can't win. Notice what Jesus says. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus who you are persecuting, but get up, enter the city. Notice a couple of things about this, uh, what Jesus actually says. It's personal. Right? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, hey, dude, what's your name? He said, Saul, Saul, called him directly by name. How many times does that happen in Scripture? Where God just directly calls somebody out for what they're doing. It's personal. He tells Saul what he is doing, which is basically sinning against him. He's persecuting him. Saul, you're persecuting me. Like the, the God that you hope to serve and, and, and say that you follow, guess what? <laughs> That's me. You're the one destroying me. You don't even understand what you're doing. I am Jesus who you're persecuting. Again, he's calling him out. He's calling the sin out in that regard. And then notice it, the encounter leads to life change. When people meet Jesus, it leads to life change. It doesn't lead to like, oh yeah, okay, I'm okay with going to church now. Because they tell some jokes or they have some decent music. So I think I'll show up just so that God can say, you know, cool, you showed up to church. I guess that means you get to go to heaven. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Meeting Jesus literally leads to life change. It's supposed to. Every time. You can't meet Jesus and not lead to some type of life change. Now, some people go the other direction. They meet Jesus and they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with him. But trust me, their life changes. It heads in a very dark place and heads down a very destructive path. When you meet Jesus and you answer and you meet him personally, it does lead to a transformed life. And that's the divine truth here is that meeting Christ personally leads to a transformed life. And Acts 9.20 is kind of the proof of that. It says, Immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Boy, that one must have been exciting, right? Uh, Saul, are you crazy? Weren't you just like trying to get letters to like have these guys killed and now all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 wait, hold on. He's the Son of God. This is the life change. 9.22, but Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. See, God knew what he was doing when he picked Saul. Because Saul's motivation and Saul's angst, if you will, Saul's passion for uh, for proving Jesus wrong, turned completely on its head once he became a believer in Christ through this divine intervention and divine revelation because what happened? Now he's the one that everybody's like, well, I don't know how to prove him wrong because like, he's just proven to us that Jesus is the Christ. And the rest of the book of Acts is like a bunch of missionary journeys that shows that Saul did this. And Saul was actually, interestingly enough, chosen not to go to the Jews, but to go to the Gentiles. Which, again, is a whole other story that I won't give you the... I won't give you the... I won't ruin the story for you because it's coming. Alright? Um, I'll just correct Carrie if he says it wrong and then I'll... Yeah. Just kidding. So, does Jesus speak when he shares his truth with people? Yeah. Right? You know, it's interesting because I've heard this phrase, uh, people have quoted it. It's a beautiful quote by St. Francis of uh, 
of uh, I don't know that. Anyways, this Saint Fran- Frank. When Frank said this, um, he said, "Preach the gospel at all times, and when when uh, necessary, use words." I hate this phrase. I'm just going to be honest. I really do, especially in light of our times today. So that's why I put a big, you know, check mark in front of it. All right. Why do I don't not like this phrase? Because most of us use it as an excuse not to open our mouths. Now, don't tell me that's not true, because it is, because I've used it. Well, I'm just going to, everybody's just going to see the love of God on me, right? You have to open your mouth. You do. Jesus spoke. Jesus directly spoke to people. You know, most people obviously saw what Jesus was doing. And of, of course, I'm not saying that our witness and what we do outwardly isn't, doesn't have an effect. But at some point in time, probably more often than you want it to be, God is going to ask you to open your mouth and speak the truth into somebody's life. That's the divine truth, that Christ used words too, and we should too. Uh, Romans 10:14 through 15 says this, How will they call on Him who they have not believed? How will they believe in Him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. It's just the reality of this. And that was, by the way, Saul, who is Paul, telling the believers that they had to open their mouths to preach the truth and to bring the good news of the gospel to people. Now, most of us are not excited about that fact. In fact, most of us struggle all the time, including pastors, with what do I say? How do I say it? When's the perfect moment to do that? Guess what? That all leads to the truth that we need to trust God's divine voice in His divine appointments. Yes, you're going to mess it up. We all do. Because you're, you're still marred by sin in this earthly tent that we live in called the body. We're marred by sin, and so we are going to not say it perfectly. There might be times where we feel like we got it right, and then I remember I was preaching one time at this campfire at, when we were missionaries, and I was preaching, and I was like, this is a great message. You know, It was on purity, by the way. It was on, like, you know, sexual purity and like you know, making sure that you, you know, don't do things before you're married and stuff like that, right? And sure enough, afterwards, we, <laughs> the next day, we had counselors come up to us and be like, Mike, what did you say at that campfire? And I was like, explained it to them, and they're like, well, you know, the teenagers were saying that you said this, and it was the complete opposite. And I was like, yeah, they're just teenagers. That's what teenagers hear, right? Sorry, teenagers in the room, but clean your ears out. All right. Um, That leads us to the next section, the divine service. We need to trust God with his, with like the voice that he speaks into people's lives in divine appointments because that happens through you. And obviously there's uh, somebody in this story that I love, this, this section that is divine service. Saul got up from the ground, or excuse me, uh, starting in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from 
Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. This, this made me think of, how do you answer God when he calls on you? Because there are times where God's pretty direct, right? And there are other times where God is um, saying things indirectly. But nevertheless, there, when God calls you, how do you answer? And the reality is, is that when we answer, do we take the opportunity to do what God is saying? That's what this section is all about, too. The divine truth here is that God gives his people opportunities to serve him by serving others. We know this. Right? So, Ananias said, here I am, Lord. It's a great response, right? Great response. Here I am, Lord. If we would have left it at that, we would be fine at this point, right? So, if God calls on you and you say, here I am, Lord, leave it at that. Okay? Don't open your mouth another moment. Just, like, listen to what God says and then do it, all right? Because I think we see in this text kind of the same kind of thing that we, are, we know because we do it so often. Again, here in verse, or then in the next little section it says, But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief of priests to bind all who call on your name. Again. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Are you smarter than God? Why do we answer God with but? Wait a minute. Hold on, God. Why? Why me or why that guy? I've heard about that guy. Isn't that so normal? All of a sudden, instead of Ananias just responding in obedience and doing it, he had to bring Ananias into the situation. He had to bring Ananias' like, thoughts about the situation. And when you do that, you miss out. We miss out on, on ultimately not only obedi- obedience, but you don't want to have to be told a second time to go do what God wants you to do. Because there probably won't be a third. The divine truth here is that divine appointments come regardless of how we feel. Did you know that? But God, I'm old. But God, I'm young. But God, I don't feel like I can physically do that. But God, I don't have the money. But God, I... You know, when God says go, and we say, but God, guess what that is? It's doubt. It's also an excuse. So I made a short list of the excuses we give God. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm scared. I'm not good with words. These are actually, a lot of these are in Scripture. That's how I found them. Um, And just some that I've used. I'm not a pastor. I don't have time. I don't have enough money. I don't have an education. I don't have, I have too much to lose. I don't like people. They they, They won't like me. 
I'll do it next time. It's not the right time for me. Too much liability involved. I just want to be silent witness. <laughs> I'll get fired. No one will support me. Or Pastor Mike preached too long, so now I can't. You, I know you guys were thinking that right now. Huh? See, I just threw it up there. It just happened, right? When God says go, we need to go. Finally, Ananias realizes after the second time, God says go. He doesn't question it. He says, it said, the text says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me to you so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. Again, the divine truth here is that if God can reach anyone, he also can reach us with opportunities to serve him in unexpected ways. You know, in some ways, that's why this, this message was titled Divine Appointments, because Saul wasn't the only divine appointment that was in this story. Ananias also had a divine appointment to serve somebody that was unexpected, that he was like, what? Saul, really? That guy? So the biggest question that I have for you really is, you know, what divine appointments have you missed out on because you have an impression or a thought about this particular person or who they are or what they believe or whatever that is, that is like, our world is so divided, we know this. Okay, so stop letting that be the reason why you don't serve people for Jesus. That's what that's what Satan wants. Satan wants you to to serve based on the on somebody's beliefs. It's real easy to serve other believers. Well, sometimes, you know, it's real easy to serve like people that kind of think alike. Right. It's a whole other story to go in in the midst of a situation where people are either hostile or they don't think like you do and just serve them. Just love on them and just speak the truth into that situation. But again, they might not like me. They might be hostile. So, I don't remember the Great Commission where Jesus said, Go into all the world as long as it's safe and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and make disciples as long as they agree with you. Is that somewhere in Scripture? Because I haven't found it yet. I've been looking for it for my entire life, okay, since I became a Christian, and uh, it's, it's just not there. So uh, many times in my life I've had to say, okay, Lord, I get it. You've got something going on that you're doing with this person, and I just need to be there, and I just need to speak truth into the situation. Coworker at work. I had, trust me, I've worked with, no offense, guys that are going to see this later on, um, but I've worked with many guys before in the welding industry that were annoying and and rude and crude. And I just was like, man, that guy's going to hell. You know, like just the, all those thoughts that came to my mind only for God to just completely like change my mind once I started talking to that person, getting to know them, building a personal relationship with them. And then the next thing I know, it led to uh, people just talking to me about Jesus. Yes, I had a silent witness and I opened my mouth. But again, 
God wants to give us those unexpected. And by the way, this is one of the verses that I think Paul wrote this verse, but check this out. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, 29. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even though the things, even things that are not to bring uh, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might be boast in the presence of God. A lot of times we feel like we, it, ha- it, it is riding completely on us, on my words, on my this, on this. And, and when you insert yourself into a divine appointment situation as if you are the Savior, guess what? God's going to like shove you out of the way because he's doing something there. Make sure, you know, if anything, that what we're doing is responding back with, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, God. I want to be willing. I want to be who you want me to be in this situation. I know we're not perfect at it, and that's okay. That's where the grace and the loving kindness of God is. That's where, again, the person being reached a lot of time is not just the person that you're trying to reach. It's also you, because God is not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. God wants to continue to mold us and shape us into who he wants us to be so that he can use us. I don't I feel like a f- foolishness sometimes. I feel like sometimes the different things that I lay before God or the different things that I put out there when I'm sharing with people. I do feel a lot of times, you know, and I'm a pastor. They you know, which I is always funny every time i every time i walk through my office i snicker a little bit when i see the title pastor mike it's just funny to me i don't know because i know that god uses people that he wouldn't necessarily you wouldn't necessarily think or or and he can use any situation to reach anyone because it's his divine appointment it's what he's doing and it's his plan i think if anything that's what we need to realize we need to trust god and his divine appointments. We need to trust God with what he's doing. If we can do that, we'll have a much better time reaching this world. We'll have a much better time watching God do his thing. Being able to praise and worship him for guys like Saul who come to faith in Christ. Guys like Mike Toller who come to faith in Christ and become pastors. Guys like Kerry Wacker who come to faith in Christ to become pastors. I mean, that one's funny. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. There's another divine appointment that I just want to encourage you with, and that's the divine appointment of, you know, Saul. this is Saul's conversion piece story. I don't know where you guys are all at. I know a lot of you. I know I don't know a lot of you like super, super good. And there's some of you that I've never met before, and I don't know where you're at in your, in your place. In, in God's plan in your life. But if God's divine appointment for you is to come to faith in Christ this morning, then my encouragement to you is respond like Saul did. Listen to what God's telling your heart about the condition of your soul and the sin that might be separating you from God. And respond by turning from that sin and following Christ. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. 
So that would be my encouragement for those of you maybe in the room that are still wrestling with God, thinking you can win. And for the for those of you that know the Lord, again, trust God with His divine appointments. Trust God that He's not done doing those divine appointments. If somebody still has breath in their body, guess what? God is still working. And God is still moving. God is still reaching and trying to reach them. And we get to be a part of that. We get to pray into that. We might get to have an opportunity to speak truth into that situation. But don't ever doubt God when it comes to what He's going to do in somebody's life. Let's pray. God, we just praise You. We thank You so much for Your divine appointments. Lord, we pray that You would encourage us, that You would help us, Lord, to trust You with the divine appointments that You have. Thank You for this story in the book of Acts that reminds us that Nobody is beyond your reach. God, help us to believe that and help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.
So, again, the encouragement this week, trust God with His divine appointments. Trust God in general. And open your mouth. Share the good news. Share the truth that you know about Jesus. Um, And I just want to encourage you, again, anybody in here that might not know the Lord, if you need to talk or pray with somebody, um, you can come up, talk to me. I'd love to pray with you. Um, There's some elders around here. Um, Actually, elders, raise your hand. Who's who's here? Okay, Dan's here, right? I think Bob's here. Um, So I would encourage you guys, if, uh, if you need a prayer, talk to somebody. We're here. Please do that, or just find somebody, just grab somebody and say, I need to pray. Okay? So, with that said, let me pray us out, and then I would encourage you to stay in air conditioning the rest of the day. (laughs) But probably not here, because we're trying to watch the budget. All right? So, (laughs) Lord, thanks so much, God, for what you're doing. We praise you. We give you today. We ask, God, that you would just help us to trust you. To just share, if there's somebody, Lord, this week that we're supposed to share your truth with, Lord God, I pray that you would orchestrate that and show us, Lord, that when we see that opportunity, we would just take it. So, God, we praise you. We thank you. We give you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 630 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scappoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.